unscripted premium Welcome to Freeform Friday here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris, episode number 301 of our little program. And this one on Friday is for our Green and Gold Club members, and uh, we thank you. These are our Patreon members that uh, these uh, these people are exclusive to this Friday uh, program, what we again call Freeform Friday. Chris goes on to our Twitter page at uh, Unscripted. Well, I guess it's obviously twitter.com and then slash unscripted MC. And you can see where Chris is getting these comments. These are questions, comments, statements, uh, whatever else you want to call them that uh, are left on our unscripted uh, Twitter page. And uh, Chris finds the one that kind of interests the both of us. And uh, he throws it out there. We, you know, talk about it a little bit, debate a little bit, and move on to the next one. So. You guys know it. We've been doing it now for a while. I've certainly enjoyed it. It's a great way to wrap up the week. And having said all that, we hand over the control to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke. Yes, we'll get right into it here. So uh, Ben Watson, who is at Benjamin S. Watson on Twitter, uh, the great tight end of the Saints, who I believe was planning on retiring. Mm -hmm. I think probably still will. Maybe the smartest guy in the league. I believe he had a 48 out of 50 on the Wonderlick. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, don't know why he wants seven children, but uh, that's for another day, I guess. He's good at something else, yeah, too. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's, uh, who, I don't care how much money you have. I still think that's crazy. I don't care oh, if you have a... Jesus. I don't seven care if, kids. I don't yeah. care if you're a billionaire and money means nothing. I still think seven kids is insane. Seven kids is... Well, look at Philip Rivers. Have well, he's got eight. Has eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can be good at that, but I mean, can't you... you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway... So, Seven kids, my God. There's 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 seven migraines a day yeah. right there. But then a really smart guy. And so yeah, here's a, mo a message that he had posted that he wrote, and he put it on his Twitter page. Commissioner Goodell, we all realize that football is an imperfect game, played, coached, and officiated by imperfect people. What occurred last Sunday in New Orleans, though, was outside of that expected and accepted norm. Your continued silence on this matter is unbecoming of the position you hold, detrimental to the integrity of the game, and disrespectful and dismissive to football fans everywhere. From the locker room to Park Avenue, accountability is what makes our league great. Lead by example. We are waiting. Yeah, this is in, in reference, uh, if I'm correct when I say this, that uh, Mr. Watson had uh, uncovered... And no, excuse me. It was his. It was his teammate Michael Thomas, the wide receiver, that uncovered a small, little thing in the National Football League bylaws that the National Football League commissioner, the sitting commissioner, can basically reschedule a game or restart a game from where the questionable call happened. And he is at the discretion. Meaning Jane Goodell's husband is at the discretion to use his power to do that. He could actually, if he felt necessary or it was necessary to do, he could take the game back to that spot where that questionable call was with the involving the wide receiver and the corner from the LA Rams and the NFC Championship game. And if it was really, really something, he could, he has the authority under the bylaws of the National Football League to start the game over. I thought at the very least there should have been a comment from Mr. Goodell's office about this because his referees sucked over championship game weekend. 
they've become too dependent on the video. And yet, even when they have video at their discretion, they still screw it up. So the refereeing is under a huge amount of, oh, I don't know, reconsideration, uh, maybe some changes coming. There's a whole bunch of things that need to be done in regard to National Football League postseason referees. But the first thing you can do is forget about these all-star squads. You've got to keep guys together that have been working together through the preseason and then through the regular season and don't break them up for the postseason. And I think at the very least, after something that was outrageous as that was, with as much writing on the line as it was, there should have been a comment from Mr. or Mrs. Goodell's office. <laughs> there you go. All right, Adam Schefter at Adam Schefter. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has asked for a UFC fight with Stephen A. Smith. Bovada released odds on a potential Stephen A. Smith versus Derek Carr fight. Stephen A. Smith minus 130, Derek Carr minus 110. <laughs> I severely disagree with Stephen A. Smith being favored over a professional athlete. The thing that makes Stephen A. Smith prevalent in our society today is his ability to put a, t- a sentence together in a very loud form of volume. But I don't see old Stephen A. as a fighter. Uh, I think Derek Carr could beat him probably within two minutes of the of the fight starting. I don't think it would be much of a match. I know that there are a lot of people in the sports world that l- would love to have five minutes with Stephen A. alone <laughs> in a back alley, and he probably would deserve to get his ass kicked a number of times. But he is an entertainer, first and foremost, folks, and they pay him for his outrageous opinions. It's what makes sports talk radio what it is. And in a weird way... He's supporting his family. And if you don't agree with him, tough beans, because I don't think ESPN is going to let Stephen A. go anywhere. He is one of their biggest money makers at the Bristol, Connecticut uh, company. And uh, whether you love him or loathe him, Stephen A. is going to be around for a while. Yep, sure is. Uh, for the win at For the Win, 10-year-old wins science fair by claiming Tom Brady is a cheater. <laughs> Did you hear also a guy got fired? Yeah, <laughs> we saw this. So the guy who does the supers on some TV station, yeah. they were showing Tom Brady talking the other day. Yeah. And this guy got Because you know they put like the name and then they'll put like Patriots quarterback or what they are. So what the guy put on like a serious broadcast was Tom Brady, known cheater. <laughs> and so he got fired. <laughs> um. You know, obviously, this this even the ten year old obviously has been around long enough to know about Deflate Gate, and and uh, that was Tom Brady's big discretion. Obviously, you've had you've had Spy Gate there, you've had uh, uh, a whole bunch of different gates in New England, and they've been punished, and they've been fined, and they've they've taken draft picks away, and you know what? They keep winning. And uh, I, is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Well, you know what. If he wins this this weekend, that's six Super Bowls. No one can come close to six Super Bowls, so you'd have to put him in that conversation. And I've heard and I've spoke about the advantages that the New England Patriots have in regard to the division that they play in, the conference that they play in. I'm pretty pretty confident in my statement that if Tom Brady was in the NFC, he wouldn't be looking at winning his sixth sixth excuse me Super Bowl. So. Um, if he wins this, it's six. I still think even with five on his dossier, that puts him in the in the certain discussion as greatest of all time. And right now, probably the best quarterback going right now. I just have to say that. I mean, his winning 
supersedes everything else. These guys are in it to win championships. He's won five, and he's looking for six. All right. Well, we, uh, we just had episode 300, but if you think back to episode 200, we had Bernie Nichols on. And, uh, you know, Bernie Nichols, a classy guy and just a really nice guy. I don't remember him ever really losing his temper on the ice or off it, but uh, he was upset on Twitter the other day. Uh, someone was talking about Grant Fuhr, and then somebody, some idiot uh, called Tickle Ye Hitchcock at Kurt, at Kurt Ma said, like we need a guy with a career 3.38 goals against average telling us how hockey works in today's game. Hashtag Oilers. Ooh. And Bernie Nichols at Bernie Nichols 9 said, that guy only has four Stanley Cup rings and is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Maybe you should fucking listen, Dickwad, because you obviously know nothing. Well, you know, <clears throat> I have great respect for Bernie because of what he did for Chris and I 100 episodes ago. He took an afternoon uh, on the golf course and gave us 40 minutes of his time. And he was engaging and he was personable and uh, very informative, answered all of our questions. Um, you know, Bernie is one of those guys, you sit here and think about the first year that he had Wayne Gretzky, and he's one of five players in the National Hockey League. Um, to have 150 point seasons, a excuse me, a 150 point season, and the four other guys are all in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think that Bernie, this goes down to my argument about in regard to guys that don't win championships, do they make the Hall of Fame? And I think the only thing missing from Bernie Nichols' resume is a Hall of Fame, or excuse me, is a is a Stanley Cup championship, and uh, I think he's got the numbers. To be there, I mean, if you're one of five of anything in the National Hockey League, and the and the other four are are named Gretzky, Lemieux, um, Iserman, Iserman, and Phil Esposito. There you go. Yeah. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, there you go. And when Bernie speaks, Chris and I listen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go on to uh, the Onion at the Onion. This is probably one of my favorite headlines they've done in quite some time. This is just perfect, and it's so simple, but it's so good. Tony Romo realizes he should have used ability to read defenses back when he was still playing. <laughs> you know, Tony Romo right now, I think, has surpassed most of the color analysts in the pro football game. I know right now I find him better to listen to than Troy Aikman. I'm still kind of in Chris Collins, Collinsworth's corner. I think he's he's been the a pro's pro for a long time. But what Tony Romo did that last quarter of the AFC Championship game was amazing. And maybe he should have, you know, used that ability. But maybe the Joneses, meaning Jerry and his son, should have gotten him some better weapons to work with. Oh, you yeah, know, Des Bryant. How can he be better than Des well, Bryant? Yeah, well, and Terrell Owens. And how, Terrell can he be, Owens how can he be better yeah. than that? The only weapon that Tony Romo really had and seemingly had any confidence is, and Tony Romo's best days were before Ezekiel Elliott came into oh, Dallas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But during Tony's years in Dallas, his most trusted guy, his go-to guy, was Jason Witten. Besides Jason Witten, I don't think he had the confidence to go to anybody else, including Des Bryant. And I think ultimately... Um, you know, Tony was with uh, the Dallas Cowboys during some lean years. Um, I still don't think they have a functional general manager there. I mean, you should not have problems acquiring players in Dallas. As much as that pains me to say, Dallas should have their pick. They should have the cream of the crop of guys that want to play 
in the facilities that they have in Dallas. They've got an unbelievable practice facility in Frisco, Texas. They've got the brand new Jerry's World, the new stadium in Arlington, Texas. The facilities are second to none. The problem in Dallas is the owner and his son. A lot of people forget uh, he did have Roy Williams for a little while there and who was a pretty good receiver, but... Um, but never played up to his expectations yeah. for sure in Dallas. And I don't know if you can blame that on on Tony Romo or maybe... And I think a big part of, of what Tony had to endure in Dallas, the offensive line when Dallas, when when Tony Romo was at the the, the best of his times in Dallas was not couldn't hold a jockstrap to the current Dallas Cowboys offensive line for damn sure. Of course, yeah. All right, uh, more from The Onion. Mavericks retired Dirk Nowitzki's jersey, fully unaware he's still on team. (laughs) I thought it was fun the other day when when the Dallas Mavericks were in Boston and the Boston fans gave him a really uh, an outstanding welcome in his last game, more than likely his last game in the Boston Garden. Um... Dirk Nowitzki, thankfully, won a championship in 2011 with the Dallas Mavericks. You'd hate to see a career like that go without a championship because this guy has been the Dallas Mavericks. And the best thing that Dirk Nowitzki has done for his 19 or 20 years, whatever the hell it is in Dallas, is he's put up with Mark Cuban for all that time. Uh, This guy, first ballot Hall of Famer. I kind of wish he would have given it up last year. Um, But this is kind of his farewell tour. Um, good for the Dallas Mavericks, good for Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, class act for sure. All right, uh, well, let's keep going with the onion. Relapse, greatest week of man's life. <laughs> and it shows a, guy, <laughs> shows a guy eating nachos, having a great time by himself, getting drunk. This is, that's awesome. He's smiling. First week out of rehab. Um, I, I don't, you know what? Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I will say this. Years ago, um, I probably would have been considered a functional alcoholic. Um, you know, I, I... Like 90s we're talking? Oh, yeah. And uh, during the radio days, uh, made a lot of money. Um, really, really, in my little corner of the world, had, had the world by the short hairs. And uh, I certainly took advantage of it. Um, but then it, it, uh, became a health issue. And, um, uh, but I do remember, I remember one time being sober for six months without a drink for six months. And I'm not a big drinker. I was at one time, but I'm not any longer, but I do remember a hell of a week that I had in Las Vegas and, uh, Jack wasn't there. So we, uh, yeah, I, I would have to so say relapse was great. Relapse was great. Life. Yeah. Okay. I, I got to go with this guy. Yeah. Relapse was good. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I, I, you'll see why I had to include this story, because if it wasn't for a previous version of Freeform Friday, I wouldn't have. But makers of Good Friend Cereal, not sure how two pictures of Ann Coulter got oh. on box. Oh, God. Ann Coulter. Oh, my God. And that reanimated I re-saw, skeleton. I resaw that uh, Rob Lowe roast, uh, roast <laughs> the other day. And, uh, you know, it, there was just... Just so much animosity toward Ann Coulter on that program. I mean, they were, they were just, they must have gotten pre-warned that she was going to be on the show, and they just, just tore her a new one. And not that she didn't deserve it, probably, but I just couldn't believe watching that old roast of Rob Lowe that how much true hatred there was for this lady on that program. Yeah, well, I mean, she's already uh, politically the polar opposite of everyone in that room. Yes. 
Uh, for but, sure. But on top of it, she's just a cunt. Oh, for sure. Oh, I mean, she doesn't help anything. No, she's, she, she just passed. Oh, she's just pouring gasoline on geez. a situation for damn I, Like, sure. I'll listen to her and I'll agree with everything she's saying and I'll still hate her. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine if you disagree with right. everything. You know what I mean? Would you like to be married to that? I don't think anybody is. I, um, can yeah. you, you wonder no, why? Well, she's super skinny too, which doesn't help. Mm. But anyway, uh, okay. You know, when I hear a headline or a story, I try to always be really understanding. I'm like, you know, what could have happened? What unfortunate chain of events could have happened to lead to something? But yet you just, at some point, these guys have to be doing something wrong here, uh, especially when they have money. Like, seriously, how does this happen? So NFL update at my sports update. Lions linebacker, this is the Detroit Lions, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Lions linebacker arrested in New York for not paying $32 cab fee and punching a police officer. Yeah, I, I you know, and you, Come on. I think the first thing the Detroit Lions need to do to help create a, a, a more of a winning culture around there is get rid of pieces of shit like this. Um, why, here's a guy, even if he's at minimum wage in the National Football League, at minimum wage in the National Football League, the bare minimum that you can make in the National Football League is over $500,000 a year. And he can't pay a $30... That's ridiculous. And then to punch a cop? And then to punch a cop? Oh I mean, get a brain, guy. I mean, I think, again, this is something that the Detroit Lions, as you try to under... And I, I still consider him the new coach of the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, as he's trying to foster a, a, a winning... Uh, positive attitude in Detroit. You got to get rid of clowns like this. Sports Center at Sports Center. Steve Kerr needed just 377 games to reach 300 wins, fastest by any coach in NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, and NHL history. Okay, now listen. I got to tell you a story. I had the interview. Uh, had the opportunity to meet and interview Steve Kerr. You know, 20 some years ago. Again, going back to the radio business. The uh, at that time, the Chicago Bulls were playing an exhibition game at the Thomas and Mac in Las Vegas. And I met, that's where I met Jordan the first time. I didn't interview him that time, but I met Jordan, met Pippen. Kerr was on the team. Kerr was very good with the media. But let me tell you something. Steve Kerr is a very smart guy. His dad was the, he was murdered, but his dad was the president of American University in Beirut when he was assassinated years ago. Steve Kerr believes in education first and foremost, but let me tell you something, folks. You could be Chris or I or, uh, oh, I don't know, the biggest idiot in the world. Let's see, Nahid Nenshi, and you <laughs> could coach the current form of the Golden State Warriors. I know. Yeah. I really believe sure, that because sure. I think all you'd have to do is put in basic sets and throw the balls out and you go and let five all-stars go have some fun on the basketball court. That could be the easiest job in the world, really. It could. Now, for all we know, he might be a great coach, too, which oh, makes it even sure. better, right? And listen, he worked and 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 uh, learned. First of all, he played under Phil Jackson, played under uh, uh, Greg Popovich in San Antonio, so he's had great uh, mentors there in that regard. And I think the biggest job that Steve Kerr does and probably does better than anybody knows from the periphery is that he is probably a master at juggling egos. Can you imagine yeah. with all that talent and making sure, I mean, there, you've got a guy like Andre Iguodala, who's a former all-star playing when he played with the Philadelphia 76ers or the Denver Nuggets. And he's, he comes off the bench in Golden State because you've got five freaking all-stars. I think that Steve Kerr's probably best asset 
is being able to massage and, you know, juggle egos because part of the thing, folks, that makes athletes great is having people tell them how great they are. Massage that ego. And I think that's probably some of the behind the scenes stuff is probably the best trait that Steve Kerr can bring to the coaching position. I don't think Steve Kerr gets to 300 wins. Remember when Steve Kerr was originally offered the Golden State position, a week before he was offered the Golden State position, he was offered the New York Knicks position to work with Phil Jackson. And I can tell you that dysfunctional family, Steve Kerr probably would have gotten fired. And it's all about fit. He obviously fits a lot better with the talent that they have in Golden State than whatever Phil Jackson screwed up in New York. So Phil, uh, excuse me, uh, Steve Kerr is a product of circumstance. He is a product of being able to, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying his significance. He deserves those rings just like anybody else. But I'm telling you, folks, it'd be a hell of a lot easier coaching the current day Golden State Warriors than it would be almost any other team in the NBA for damn sure. Absolutely, yeah. And and that's what jumps out at me too is I think that he's probably really good at that and there's a real art to that. And I know it's easy to be cohesive when you're winning and sure. to not have stories when you're winning so much. But at the same time, it's, it's know, certainly possible and I think he deserves some credit It's amazing that. to think about it this way. Steve Kerr has been the coach of the Warriors for, I think this is his fifth year, fifth or sixth, something like that. He's at 300 wins. But think about this, folks. This year with the dysfunction between uh, Green and Durant, this is the first time in Steve uh, Kerr's tenure in Golden State, five or six years, that they've lost three games in a row. Wow. That is freaking amazing. That really is. And uh, and it took, uh, it took new Kevin Durant... Uh, whoever that weirdo is, uh, much different from the old Kevin Durant everyone liked, took that guy to mess it up. Anyway, continuing in, continuing in the NBA, Deadspin at Deadspin, Lonzo Ball would prefer to be traded where he can start right away, just as I would prefer to stalk my enemies from atop a mighty Tyrannosaur. We had a brief discussion about this, uh, Chris and I did, uh, between shows here, here on episode number 301. And I had read this very same thing about Lonzo Ball. And all I can say to the new ugliest person in the NBA, and he, he, he kicks Scottie Pippen's ass, in my opinion, as the ugliest person in the NBA. First, he's got an acne problem and he looks confused. Um, please, com- please, Lonzo, do something with your NBA career before you start making demands. LeBron James can make a demand. Anthony Davis can make a demand. It's costing Anthony Davis $50,000 for this latest uh, public uh, uh, desire to be traded from the New Orleans Pelicans. But this little half-breed, ugly piece of shit hasn't done anything in the NBA. He can't even hold down a starting job uh, on the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Los Angeles Lakers, folks, without LeBron James, are shitty. Look at it this way, folks. I got to tell you this, and I saved this, and we didn't get to it today, but I got to tell you something. You'll enjoy this, and I got to find it here in my notes. When LeBron James, when the Los Angeles Lakers on December 17th had a record of 18 up and 10 down, since LeBron James has been out of the lineup since Christmas Day, 17 games, they're 6 and 11. And when on that high point of 18 and 10 on December the 10th, December the 18th, excuse me, on that high point, the Lakers were in the fourth seed 
in the NBA's Western Conference playoffs. LeBron comes back on Thursday of this week, so the the 31st of January, and right now the Lakers are two games back from the last playoff spot behind the LA Clippers. That's how much that ugly piece of shit and the rest of those pieces of shit haven't done anything in Lakerland. And if you talk about a true MVP, what he means to your team, you should give the trophy right now to LeBron James. Yeah, it's hard to argue with when you've seen how crappy they've been without him. Anyway, I'm going to take a few tweets and just kind of combine them. I won't just say the tweets themselves, but there's basically three pieces of news involving Mike's Green Bay Packers here. So uh, number one, the Packers have hired Mike Smith to coach outside linebackers. Number two, the Packers have interviewed ex-NFL slot receiver Wes Welker for a coaching job. And number three, the Packers have announced they're bringing back Jimmy Graham. Yeah, um... Mike Smith uh, is a friend of Mike Pettin. They work together in Cleveland, so there's a natural connectivity there. I think there's also a hidden message there. And the hidden message would be, this is the guy that coached D. Ford. And D. Ford is going to be uh, an unrestricted free agent as of July 1. And I think the Packers are thinking that maybe you could entice D. Ford to come to Green Bay oh, be good if his them. former position coach is on the Green Bay staff. I think that's the connectivity there. Good idea. Wes Welker was interviewed last week, met with Matt LaFleur, and talked about a non-specific spot on his coaching staff. Nothing has been finalized yet. I think that would be a great hire for the Packers coaching staff. Here's a guy, underachiever, um, worked his way up to all-pro status, won himself some Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. I think that would be perfect, a perfect addition to the Packers. The third thing I'm disappointed about for simple for the oh, yeah. simple fact that they owe this piece of shit $5 million on the first day of the uh, NFL uh, uh, season, which is around uh, early March. And I'm very surprised by this. I am disappointed by this. I do not think that Jimmy Graham is the Jimmy Graham of old. Only two touchdowns this year for the Packers. Only caught 55 balls all year long. And part of that problem was he was playing with a broken thumb. You got to give him that. But there wasn't the camaraderie there between him and Rodgers. It didn't work. And I think the Packers would be wise to retool their whole tight end room they're already going to get rid of Mercedes Lewis. They're already going to get rid of Lance Kendricks. And I think it would have been smart to clean the whole room and get rid of this guy too. Yeah, he honestly has only looked good in New Orleans. And he's had great quarterbacks at everywhere he's and played. You know what? And it doesn't work. Listen, I don't know many guys in their careers, National Football, Re- National Football League receivers, tight ends, wide receivers, whatever, that have had the ability or the privilege, maybe is a better word, to work with Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. And Chris is exactly right. The only one that it worked well with has been Drew Brees. So what happened with, with Russell Wilson? What happened with Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. If I was the Packers, even in the, this past season, like in the middle of the season, I would have my goal would have been trade Jimmy Graham to the Saints for a seventh-round pick. That's what well, I would have done. I, I agree. Something needed to be done, but Jimmy Graham is not the answer. Okay, so uh, DW at D-E-E-E underscore W says, just a typical night on the east side of Las Vegas, and I'll show you the clip here. Just some naked dude, normal-looking dude, just walking around and totally naked, and uh, just thought that maybe would bring back some memories of Las Vegas for you. I know that street. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, I know that street. The east side of Vegas? That's uh, that's down by campus. That could be Maryland Parkway. Oh, maybe some... Well, that guy looks too old for college. Well, I get that, but there's some shopping malls along Maryland Parkway. There's a whole bunch of, of, of uh, retail stores and stuff, and, <laughs> and there's a big mall. That looks very familiar to me as being Maryland Parkway, and uh, there are different components of Maryland Parkway, but that looks to be about the freak show that would be on Maryland Parkway. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Uh, Bleacher Report at Bleacher Report. Brandon Cooks is paying for a Rams janitor and his son to attend the Super Bowl. I just felt like it would be special for him to see that he is a part of the success. Uh, and I watched the video of him actually presenting it to the, the team janitor, and I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really, really nice. You know what? I wish that we saw more stories in society like that. And a couple of weeks ago, you uh, tuned me up on a story about Alvin Kamara taking on a job with the city of New Orleans, um, just showing good faith that that he can do something. Uh, to help the community. I think we need to see more good stories like that instead of leadheads like Lonzo Ball and and idiots that that are just in it for themselves. There are some really selfless acts. I just wish the National Football League would promote more of those instead of the losers. Yeah. All right, quick one from The Onion. I don't think you're going to have much response to this one, but report. Bananas, still most popular fruit for pretending to receive phone call. (laughs) I thought you were going to correlate that with Tiger Woods there for a minute, but no, 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 um, no. This isn't Tiger Woods. This is, oh, uh, is it? no, no. Um, you're the first person to ever confuse uh, Tiger Woods with Brooks Kepka, but uh, they both have big arms. But I like Kepka's better. But anyway, no, you don't need to respond to the banana as a fake phone call. But I do have a couple uh, golf uh, yep. ones to bring up. Your sure. favorite? We yep. don't do that enough here, especially in the winter. So uh, the first one here is a Brooks Kepka story. So this is from the Score PGA at the Score PGA. Yep. Uh, Brooks Kepka embarrassed by players' slow play. Quote, it really drives me nuts. And then actually Daniel Negreanu at Real Kid Poker, the great Canadian poker yep. player, responded and said, haha, sound familiar, poker friends? Because he's been on a campaign similarly in poker with guys taking too long. They like because what's and I'll tell you quickly what's happened in poker, and this is something you might want to watch out for in golf if this would happen, is sometimes it almost has made it worse. Like some guys, there's there'll be really obvious times in poker, like where it's really there's only one thing you can really do. Mm-hmm. But let's say before a guy had unlimited time and he might have folded right away but here it's like no you have 30 seconds all the time for everything so then they take the full 30 seconds when they might have otherwise folded because i don't know if they're just being assholes or what but but anyway so uh i know this is a big deal for you slow playing golf slow playing golf is 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 ruining golf is what it is and it's and it's at his level that i have the biggest problem with because we as a society Watch these guys on Saturday and Sundays with Jim Nance or whoever you're, or Dan Hicks on NBC. And perfect example, this weekend, this past weekend, was the Farmer Insurance uh, Open from San Diego, uh, ultimately won by Justin Rose, who is the number one player in the world right now. But one group on Sunday took six and a half hours to play their round. That is ridiculous. And people see that. And part of the problem is people think that if they, if they, if they, uh, copy what they see on TV, that that's going to improve their game when they're playing with their buddies at the local Muni. Here's the problem, folks. Golf should not take more than four hours. If you can hit the ball and keep it in play, you should be able to get around a a normal 6,500 to 7,000 square foot golf course in four hours. 
The problem is we are a copycat nation and we see these big guys playing for the big money and they're sitting there checking their yardage books and they're sitting there scratching their balls and they're sitting there talking to their caddy and they're sitting there doing whatever else they're doing and then they're lining up their putts. The players on the PGA Tour are too damn slow and then when you get the weekend hackers and you wonder why it takes six hours and you wonder why the marshal's on your ass is because you're taking too much time. You do not and do not need to do the same thing that the pros are doing because A, you can't play as good as the pros. B, you can't read what the pros are reading in the greens anyway. So why the hell do it? Golf was made to be done in in and around four hours on a weekend, maybe four and a half. And I know this because I used to be a marshal at a golf course. You're trying, the owners of the golf course are trying to get as many people through and they can't do it when leadheads are out there taking six and a half hours. And when they see it on television, then they think it's right to do it at their home course. And that's a problem. And the other golf story I want to bring up, I don't have the tweet because it was from a few weeks ago. So I don't have it in front of me. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you about just this trend in golf. And it sound, I believe it's being championed by Bryson DeChambeau. But this thing where they leave the pin in when yes. they're putting. Yes. And uh, he likes it because you can drill it more. So I, I actually wanted some background on that. Uh, why is he just doing this now? And why is this a new thing? And, and he kind of brings up a good point. Like it, it could help a lot of the time. Why do guys traditionally take the pin out? And why is he arguing against that? What's kind of the pro and con of both sides? Well, um, I think, well, first of all, just to let you know, January 1 of this year, so 30 days ago, 29 days ago, whatever it was, the PGA Tour changed their pin rule and they allowed you to keep it in. Um, You couldn't before. You couldn't before. It had to be tended. So your caddy would sit there and then as soon as the ball was struck, the caddy would pull it out. Well, now you can keep it in there. And I think it's a good thing because... As Bryson DeChambeau mentioned, you probably can hit it a little bit harder with the hope that it hits the pin and falls into the cup. That's just an opinion on my on my part. I don't know if it's going to speed up play or slow up play, but it gives uh, players another option. Um, I don't think it hurts the game. I think it ultimately might improve putting if you can see it maybe a little bit better. I don't know. But... Um, I saw Adam Scott this weekend again at the Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego keep the pin in for all of his pins, and he putted as well as I've seen him putt in years. So it's probably something with their vision. It's probably something that they're comfortable with. But the PGA Tour changed the rule January 1 of this year that you could leave the pin in. Previously, as if you were at a certain distance, the your caddy would have to tend the pin, and as soon as the ball was struck, you'd have to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And then what are, how is this going to affect your game? Are you going to change anything about your game? No, I won't. I will still, I, I will still uh, putt with a, a, a cup that is open. I just I don't think at this point, I've been playing golf for 40-some years, uh, it would be too difficult for me to change at this point. I'm too set in my damn ways. Okay, and then uh, our buddy Ryan uh, sent us a, a pretty funny thing of uh, Jared Goff versus Tom Brady, and it's it's intentionally meant to completely make it look like Jared Goff is 80 million times better than Tom Brady. So they, they just like skew every fact. So I thought I'd just read them here. Uh, was the, So the first thing I say will be Jared Goff. Second thing will be Tom Brady. Yeah. Was the first pick in his draft, 199th pick in his draft. Never lost a Super Bowl, lost three Super Bowls. <laughs> Only one career playoff loss, a whopping 10 career playoff losses. Coolest name ever, basic as fuck name. <laughs> S- starred in Remember the Titans, was in Ted 2 for like 30 seconds. 
Once named NFC Player of the Month. Never named NFC Player of the Month. Beat the Lions 30-16 this season. Lost to the Lions 26-10 this season. Kills it on the field. Was teammates with a murderer. (laughs) Uh, A ripe 24 years old. 50 years old or something. Plays in Los Angeles. New England isn't even a city. (laughs) Where's Gucci? Where's makeup and Uggs? And finally, owns a massive pair of balls, deflates balls. One thing that Tom Brady has on top of all of us, though, is Tom Brady's married to Giselle. Uh, I know, it's too skinny for you, but she is the highest paid model in the world. And people, people, more than him. <laughs> exactly. And people don't realize this. You know, one of the reasons that Tom Brady is always giving hometown discounts, and it's brilliant on his part, brilliant. But his wife makes more than he does, so he can afford to take the hometown yeah. discount and bring in more talent. I think it's a brilliant thing for Tom Brady. I think Jared Goff has an unbelievable future, but right now Tom Brady is at the top of his game, and uh, I think again, I think the Rams can do it, but something tells me. Something in the back of my head tells me, watch out for the Patriots on Sunday. Okay, two quick Onion ones, and then we're out of here. Yep. So uh, the Onion uh, has, uh, sometimes they do like sports stories, like keys to the game, and they're ridiculous. So here's their keys to the game for the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, New England Patriots, after the duo, so I guess they're done with Brady and Belichick, after the duo's many years together, critics are wondering whether there's enough left in the tank for one more Super Bowl win for defensive line coach Brendan Daly and defensive end Malcolm Brown. Oh, I guess that's their that's their duo. Okay, yeah. and the LA Rams, a victory would go a long way toward making LA residents aware that the team moved back from St. Louis in 2016. <laughs> you know, I was still surprised uh, this year that when the Packers played, it seemed like it was 50-50 split in regard to the fans that were there to support the locals and then the team that was there to to support the Green Bay Packers. But um, you know what? Having lived in Los Angeles for five years, um, Los Angelinos, as they like to call themselves, are very particular. They are the ultimate bandwagon jumpers. And their attendance will soar if they do what they hope they do this weekend and win Super Bowl 53. You will not be able to get a ticket next year to a Rams game, even in 93,000 seat, the Coliseum, if they pull this off this weekend. But the problem with that Los Angelinos a lot of the times is there's so much to do out there that if your team sucks, there's other things. There's go to the beach, there's this, there's this, there's, you know, you can do so many other things. They are some of the most fickle fans in the world. I mean, the Lakers who have won 16 championships still until LeBron showed up this year, were having trouble selling seats at the Staples Center because they hadn't made the playoffs in five years. Los Angelino fans are as fickle as Philly fans are brutal in regard to how they treat their teams and how they treat the opposing teams. But I'll tell you one thing, folks. Again, having lived in Los Angeles for five years, if the Rams win this weekend, you won't be able to get a ticket. Oh, and imagine when they're in that new stadium as well. Well, and that's what a lot of them are waiting for, I think. You know, they've a lot of them have been there, done that in regard to the Rams playing at the Coliseum uh, because they did it from 1951 till when they moved yeah. to Anaheim before they moved to St. Louis. But 
Jesus Christ, there's a lot of moving in Rams history. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm telling you right now, and I believe this in my heart of hearts, if they pull this off, it will be difficult next year to get a Rams ticket. Well, yeah, because they'll be the cool team. They'll be the cool team. They'll say. be the thing to do in L.A. Yeah. It, but you got to win in L.A. Yeah, the fan, if, hey, fickle fans where you have to win or you're not the cool thing and they won't okay. show up. If you're touching the Pacific Ocean or your city rhymes with Pronto. Pronto, yeah. We yep. always mm-hmm. say, yeah, yep, absolutely. Exactly. So, okay, last story, the onion at the onion. And I was a cell phone Salesman for seven years, so I appreciate this. T-Mobile announces wireless service now covers 70% of your apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I have no comment on that. I I have no comment. Hey, I got to tell you, selling cell phones here, I mean, there's so many rural areas, and then we had... You know, we had, we used to have, like, originally when I was selling, they were the old CDMA phones. They didn't even use a SIM card like most of the world. Oh, really? Yeah, so you wouldn't even Are those work. those old Motorola things? Well, some of them, but, but even, like, even, like, the last real flip phones that were popular, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. or even less, uh, a lot of them, like, they'd make them in both kinds. They'd make them in, like, GSM, SIM cards around the world. Right, right. And then CDMA, which uh, U.S. and Canada would have CDMA networks, like TELUS, Bell were CDMA here. Verizon was CDMA down in the States. Right. And uh, they would, uh, yeah, and, and they were, and honestly, it was a better network, but it was, it was only like beta and VHS. Like one's better, oh, but yeah. one's, you know, right. wins because right. it's, you know, more prevalent or whatever. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. But, and then there was mic phones, which used a SIM card, but a different kind of SIM card. And and so that was really spotty. But, you know, the mic phones, kind of like yeah. the Nortel kind of mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean. See them on job sites a lot. Those yeah. Old so, mic phones. Yeah. So, I remember, I and I don't remember if I ever told this story on Unscripted, but last thing here was uh, one time, I don't know if you ever saw the old Motorola StarTacs. They were this, uh, a Motorola StarTac was like this brick of a black phone it was kind of short and stubby Mm -hmm. and it was an old flip phone from the 90s and uh those things were indestructible and i mean all they could do is make a phone call but like that's but they were really good at that and they just had amazing reception and durability and lasted forever and you could you know charge them once a week or something like it was just ridiculous so i remember this is probably near i think they phased it out in 08 that network 08 or 09 or so i think late 2008 in alberta and in canada they kind of got rid of that and now everything is sim card phones on the newer networks like the 4g and all that stuff and um but but before that ended this guy he comes in and he had he had literally dropped his star tack like he had lost it he dropped it on a mountain like he literally like dropped it so i'm like oh i'm so sorry to hear that like well i mean obviously i don't have any star tacks i'll have to give you a little more modern phone still a basic flip phone if you want but whatever he pulls out a brand new motorola StarTac box this dude had the foresight in like 1995 or something <laughs> to to buy two of them at the time and he left this other one sitting there for like 15 years and he, he busted i was like i'm so giving my star and, and so i activated his motorola star in about 2008 he probably only got a few more months out of it before the network was obsolete and it was yeah. literally useless as anything other than a paperweight but uh yeah so uh uh if you guys know you like something plan ahead well my dad still has a flip phone and all the only number that's programmed Two numbers are programmed: the Golf Shack, the Starter Shack, and is and Sharon Cell. That's the only two numbers. Not even you, eh? No, God no. Um, we got to run. Thanks everybody for a great week. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. Uh, episode number three hundred was a good week. This was episode number three hundred and one, and we hope again to have another three hundred more. And we can only do it as long as you guys kind of want us to do it, and uh, we still enjoy doing it. So I think we'll keep doing it. Um, 
have a lot of fun with Freeform Friday and uh, hope that you enjoy it as well. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.